Hello, I'm Samia Aryan. I'm the founder of the Think Tank for Women in Business and Technology and the FemPeak platform with the mission of raising women's socioeconomic status. Some people believe that women are not as good at coding, engineering, or more technical jobs and that they are naturally more drawn to tasks uh, that require human interaction, like human resources or marketing. I happen to be skeptical of this line of thinking because we simply do not have enough data that takes into account all the different factors that shape women's preferences towards these areas, such as the societal conditioning and educational or cultural pressures. I think we cannot make such sweeping judgments until we have a society where boys and girls are brought up with an equal amount of encouragement and opportunities in the STEM fields. In today's podcast, I discussed this topic with Christoph George, the president and CEO of Bentley Motors in Americas. Christoph became a good friend of mine when I first interviewed him for my documentary, The Millennial Disruption, which went on to win several international awards. I find Christoph to be one of the most forward-reaching and open-minded industry leaders on any topic I've ever interviewed him. So here's my conversation with Christoph George. How can we get um, more women into business and technology? And uh, what are some of the challenges? What, what are some of the reasons why we don't have enough? And why is it important to have more? Do we need more? We need more. <laughs> what? Do we need more? <laughs> I know we will, we will figure that out, right? <laughs> Basically, this is going to give us a, a, a possibility to kind of dive a little bit deeper into some of the things that we talked about. So for example, here you said only 25% of graduates from engineering schools are women. So even if companies want to change the system, and some of them do, the pool of women in that industry is not very big. Before I ask you why that is the case, I'm going to ask you this. Is it actually important to have more women in these fields, in STEM fields? Yes, definitely. I mean, it's very um, important to support uh, diversity in companies and uh, having more women in companies, part of diversity. I believe it is uh, enriching uh, uh, companies in what they do. And diversity is bringing uh, overall much more uh, qualitative uh, interactions and uh, creativity outside of representing as well a little bit more the population and our, our customers too. Uh, but uh, companies are becoming much richer when they support diversity, uh, diversity in the wider sense. So for us, at Bentley, this is something uh, in which we are quite, uh, quite focused to attract, speaking about women now, to attract more women in our business, and obviously as well as retaining uh, women, women we have and offering career paths mentoring, developing skills, competencies to allow them to grow within our organization uh, because we want to have a fair representation at all levels in our company. And we have programs in place in order to, to encourage it. So we, have quite, we are quite proactive. Diversity is just not uh, a theoretical or intellectual uh, notion. We have or idea, no, this is being materialized out of clear actions we, we, are, we are doing and programs we are 
implementing to support growth, career growth and career path for uh, women in our, in our organization. But of course, we have as well to attract uh, much more women to our business. Car business is extremely uh, product uh, driven in the way that most of our competencies uh, are there to uh, develop new cars. So it needs a lot of engineering resources and then obviously production. In this area, as you have said before, the, the pool of women uh, applying and coming out of uh, engineering school uh, is not that wide. This is creating a challenge and this is due for many reasons. It's historical. It's uh, linked to a center of interest and preferences as well of women. And then you can ask the question if these preferences have been uh, influenced to them uh, by uh, parents or teachers or whomever telling them that it would be better, it would be probably better for them to go to communication and marketing or PR and to do this kind of jobs where naturally we have a much higher representation. I believe it's a combination of both. Uh, it's a combination of individual preferences and orientation. Uh, students are choosing, uh, women stu students are choosing to, to develop their careers and what they want to do in the future, as well as all uh, influences and bias, as you will call it, call, call it uh, uh, they, they led through their uh, young ages. You know, it is not uh, an excuse for, for anybody, and this is not a reason why we shouldn't attract more. And it is part of our role to be proactive and do what we can to correct it. And again, it is not just to, uh, to be proud of having a higher share of uh, or proportion of uh, women representation in our business. We just believe that it is adding value and, and benefits to the organization. Christoph, can you give an example or a few examples of if we don't have enough women in uh, engineering and technology, like say, for example, within the automotive industry, especially now as we are using more artificial intelligence, as we are developing um, driverless cars, what are some of the dangers of not having women uh, or female perspective um, as we are developing these new products? Yeah, quite, uh, quite a lot. And I don't want to repeat myself, but uh, if you will just focus on emotional intelligence, I believe having a different gender and more diversity in, a, in an organization will give much more emotional intelligence, which is absol absolutely essential for the technology you have just mentioned in terms of uh, AI and so on. But all these technologies represent as well an opportunity because when you have big changes in an industry and car industry is a good, uh, good example, moving towards uh, electrification, may later at a different step, uh, uh, autonomous driving and so on, and, and being much more connected with different solutions. Uh, every time you have a change of technology is an opportunity to acquire new competencies and to acquire new talents. And I believe it is an opportunity for women if they are attracted in technology to, uh, to step in without doing mechanical engineering studies anymore, but going to the new, uh, uh, taking advantage of these new technological trends 
to be uh, more relevant for the businesses tomorrow and the car industry is a good example. That's a very good example. Like every time there's a change, there's an opportunity. That's a very good point. One of the challenges that I'm facing as I'm uh, discussing this with a lot of younger people, you know, trying to get um, more women into technology, I'm finding it difficult sometimes to uh, get them interested you know, like there's, because there's so much distraction, social media, you know, there's a lot of different ways that young women are being driven to. So um, it's not every day that I meet uh, young women that say, yes, you know, I really want to go and learn uh, about new technologies or, or engineering. So uh, I, I don't know if it's okay to say that you, you have a few children, right? You've got uh, experience um, as well. How do you go about, you know, when you look at, you know, your family environment and when you think about as we are creating content to uh, attract younger women to, to technology, how can we change the balance to, uh, to make more, say, from, from early age, um, to make more women interested in technology? It's an important topic. I mean, uh, uh, children or young, young people uh, quite often do not know where to go and what they would like to do. They would uh, probably have some admiration for some tech companies like the GAFA uh, or any others, and they will see it as being uh, uh, the greatest companies uh, uh, for tomorrow. So they have some admiration, but they don't exactly understand what they need to do in order to, uh, to be uh, uh, attractive to, to this company. And they need guidance. And uh, you cannot always believe that as a parent, you can provide all guidance which is necessary because the parents in some cases have lived through this bias too initially and they might not be experts in this field depending on what they do today. And they might not know exactly the way the industry is evolving. So you cannot expect all of this from, from parents. And this is where we as a business, a company or industry have a role to play. You know, and very practically what, what we do is going through local communities, being represented there, explaining what we do, uh, making young people understand where the market is going. Uh, we are partner with the university in, in, in the UK, so we sponsor universities. We work on it to develop the talents we need for tomorrow. But this guidance cannot be expected only from, from parents because in a lot of cases, I don't know. So for, it, is, it is again for us to promote it, to be, to be proactive and to give support and to go to... Uh, to the schools or, or university to explain where the market is going to, uh, speak to teachers as well, for them as well, to, to understand a little bit more where the industry is going to. So there is a big role to play to really make the young people touch and feel what will be the job for, for tomorrow and what could be the topic of interest for them. It's not about influencing them in what they want to do. They need to do what they want to do. But they need to have the knowledge of the possibilities they will get in the future. And then they can make a proper choice. During the remarks that you had at the conference, you said that companies that don't embrace diversity 
you believe that they are not going to be successful moving forward. Um, can you uh, break that down a little bit more and talk about in what sense they will not be successful and, and what do you mean by uh, that? I am always against uh, the single view. Yeah? So if in a company or in a community or wherever is a group of people, we have all be formatted the same way and we all work the same way and we think the same way and we have the same background. It will be quite pleasant to work in such an environment because you don't get challenged so much. And everybody agrees with everybody because it is kind of consistent with what you have learned and then you have a single view. But this single view in the, in the current world uh, is very detrimental to the progresses and the development and the evolution a business needs to have. So you need to be confronted into other views, way of working, way to apprehend problems, uh, processes, and so on, from different cultures, gender, races, whatever, in, in, in the wider sense. And this is where you start to get challenged. And it's not always, when you are in a group of um, diverse people, it's not always comfortable because mm -hmm. you get a lot of challenges and then you have to manage, I wouldn't say manage the mess, but man manage a lot of different views and debates and, and discussion. And yes, at the end, you need to make decisions. But it is really enriching the debates and you find a solution you would have never found otherwise. Never forget, you know, once I was uh, running uh, European operations and we had 13 different nationalities in, in our small uh, office in, uh, in Berlin. We were 40 people approximately with 13 different nationalities. So German, French, Italian, Russian, Greek, Nether from Netherlands, from a lot of different places in Europe, different cultures and backgrounds and a small team with so much diversity. And I, I was running it. It created so many fruitful debates and so many challenges in the way we do things and we operate it. But when you can process it and when you can find alignment and finally make decisions and manage it, you are becoming much, much better, much more creative. You have uh, positive interactions. You are, you are finding solutions you wouldn't have seen otherwise. And this is totally the opposite of having a single view, as I said before. So, you know, when we speak about women today, uh, it falls into the same category for the same kind of benefit in a company, uh, in, in, in a business. So it is totally uh, beneficial for companies to have women and diversities, diversity uh, uh, overall. And that's what we are promoting. We know it and we want it. We want to get challenged. We want people coming with other ways of looking at it. When you see in the last years, how many business have been disrupted with, with new technology and, and especially linked to, uh, to digital digitalization. We, we have faced disruptions everywhere and this is not going to stop. It will continue. That working we used to work for the last 100 years as Bentley because we are we're celebrating our centenary last year. And if you just continue, does not work. So we, we know we have to push the boundaries and find uh, more agility, more idea, more creativity because we need to disrupt the market. 
if we, if we don't do it, others will do it. And it comes from younger people, new ideas, platform business, and, and everything else, and mobility solutions, uh, and everything else you can imagine and you know. But for, to achieve this, you need to, to work in a different environment. Absolutely. I mean, I would really like to see a female-driven you know, automotive company because uh, I think we really, that's long time due, uh, due you know, we haven't, we haven't had that yet, uh, quite the same. No, no, no you, you have, you have, maybe you can cut it after, but the CEO for General Motors is a, is a woman. No, what I meant was like a fa- founded, you know, like a female founded company. You could have, you know, you, you, if you look at today in, the, in, in our industry, you have a lot of new car companies being uh, created and especially because of electrification. Yeah. And these new car companies are just being created, created by, by younger people and, uh, you know, electrification makes, in a way, makes it a little bit easier. It is disruptive in the business and uh, they get some, uh, some, some funds and uh, uh, they have good projects and they start to launch companies. You have many of them in China. You have some in California creating car companies. It is more likely to happen today uh, that a woman will be then in charge and found the car companies than it will uh, than before because of this change of technology. You know, Christoph, we talked about diversity, embracing other people's points of views, but in a way, I want to maybe argue that uh, social media, in some ways, is actually taking us away from diversity sometimes. It's not, it's not the platforms themselves, but it's how we use them, you know, so because of the, the way that you're kind of getting reinforcement on the views that you already have. And sometimes maybe we are not getting challenged as much as we could be because uh, it is in the interest of these platforms for you to be seeing more of what you like rather than exposing you to things that you may not know about. So one of the reasons why I came up with this idea for the platform that I'm building was because when I started raising funds, I realized that actually there were so many people who could be investors um, but were not investing because they didn't know enough about it Um, and i wanted to build a platform especially for women to educate them on uh, or expose them on, on topics such as investment and technology that maybe typically they wouldn't be um exposed to so because for example when women go on say you know, Instagram, you know, they're, they're being shown a lot of makeup videos and, you know, a lot of exercising their, you know, their, their bottom and, and things like that. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it just feels like there's a lot of emphasis on uh, things like beauty and anti-aging and all sorts of things that aren't really, because that ultimately we have a limited attention span. We have a limited amount of you know, bandwidth in our brains. And if that bandwidth is taken up by things that are not really advancing us in science and technology, we are not getting exposed to things that we could be exposed to. So what is the solution in your, in your opinion, you know, from somebody who has been in the industry for so long, and maybe you could talk a little bit about what some companies like your company, for example, Bentley, you know, what, what could some corporations, uh, big corporations, companies like you could do 
to change this because I feel like we are stuck in this kind of echo chamber, you know, where people are hearing more of what they, uh, you know, if somebody has clicked on something, they're just going to show them more of that. But we are not really uh, encouraging things like critical thinking <laughs> and exposing people to new ways of thinking about science and technology, um, especially women. So I feel like these algorithms are designed in a kind of detrimental way towards, when, when I think about towards that goal of getting more women into the top tier of business and technology. So, social networks and media, um, they work because it is fast, it, it is just working on surface, it has to be quick, quick information we share with, with, with somebody, but it stays at a high level. It never goes into, into real detail. In terms of challenges we can get from people using social media could be people commenting about the need for car industry to be greener, to save the planet. And we understand it and we are working towards it and, and so on. But this does not solve any of the problem of diversity in companies. It is just pushing topics which are of interest for a lot of people. And then uh, you have a quick, quick loot. You don't read everything, you transfer or not, and you read uh, one or two first sentences. And if a video is longer than 40 seconds, you don't watch the end. The, the attention spam is, is, is very little. Yeah? This is not a solution. I believe it's, uh, they, they have their utility in terms of communication probably uh, when you use it well in terms of uh, communicating about your brand, it's, uh, it's much easier and it's uh, cheaper than traditional advertising and you can be uh, much more repetitive and you can be more, you can create some buzz, etc. It has some communication benefits, but social media is not the right platform to uh, basically support uh, diversity or is not really a tool for this. When you start to have more a specialized platform going more in the detail of things and challenging industries or whatever with some more detail about some specific topic. Now it starts to be probably more interesting in the way that uh, this platform will create a set of new ideas and probably questions some industries do not ask themselves on some particular topic and then it can be used as uh, an idea generator, if you, if you understand what I mean. And if these ideas are being uh, basically uh, part of or coming from a community of women, for, for example, uh, it gives exposure. So what you are doing with new, your new platform could achieve this kind of objective, but what you are doing is absolutely not related to traditional social media. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's, it's really different. It's more profound. It's more profound. And, you know, one of our issues, as I said before, and coming back to, uh, to women in, uh, in industry, is first to be attractive, but to, to find them as well. Yes, when we have them uh, in, in the company, we can develop career paths, we can work on the retention plan for them to stay with us and be able to develop with us, work-life balance as well, and to, to, to make our companies a kind of a friendly environment, supporting their needs, but developing them and, uh, and so on. 
but the, the point is you need first to be attractive to them. And I, I say, I would say, if speaking as Bentley, we are very attractive for women who want to work for marketing and so on, because it's a luxury brand. And then we have a lot of pool. Yeah? Um, but for the other function, no, no, not really. And for new technology, not really. And this is what we need. Having the opportunity to uh, look for the right talents in the platform uh, like the one you are developing is quite uh, uh, valuable to us because it gives us a solution. Where do you find the next the talents for the future? And the exposure you give through a platform going more in the detail of some technology with some intelligence and uh, uh, debates and skills and competencies being discussed and all the rest of it give exposure to great individuals who could be attracted uh, uh, to, to us. Uh, you mentioned that um, basically the traditional social media is not really built for that purpose of creating that kind of positive impact that I'm looking for, you know, or, or I was hoping for. That's why I'm, I'm creating a whole new platform. I remember some people ask, asking me in the beginning, how are you going to bring people every day to the platform to, to make sure that they use the platform and, and they, they, stay, they spend time there? And I said, actually, I don't want them to do that. I don't need them to be on the platform every day, spend like hours there because this is very different. You know, it's like the way I look at it is more similar to something like Wikipedia in the sense that you go there, you find something that you need, you know, and then you leave, you know, so it's not like this constant pressure of spending a lot of time there and your attention being driven in so many different, different directions. So, of course, you know, we are building that platform and we are trying to bring more women, first of all, find women who are in STEM fields, bring them into that uh, platform, not just in STEM, but, but in particular, you know, that's where we're pushing quite a lot. The other thing is that I'm also trying to get women who are not in that, you know, especially younger women who are deciding what to do with their career, or maybe uh, even not necessarily uh, recent graduates, but people who are changing career. You know, and, and getting them to think about going into that. What are some of the ways in which somebody like me can support that, you know, uh, to create programs that will encourage more women to learn, to go in? So, so say, for example, at Bentley, you know, what are the kind of things that you're looking for, right? So, because that will help us. So for people listening to this podcast, it will be helpful for them to know what, what, is, what are companies like yours uh, looking for, you know, and how can they, uh, and I'm talking about outside of the traditional kind of marketing and HR roles that are a lot of females going into when it comes to uh, surely in engineering and in sort of more technical fields, you, you also want to have more women there, right? So can you talk a little bit about what is it that you're looking for? What What's the kind of female talent that you feel is really missing in your company? So the, the entire uh, technology is uh, changing. So you need to bring new competencies. can be uh, in engineering related to electrification, but it says well all about digital and connectivity and software. That's probably where traditional uh, car manufacturers were lacking a little bit behind in terms of uh, digital technology, embarked technology, but not only in the car, it's outside of the car as well. 
and this is where you know we we have to uh, to change uh, very quickly and uh, as a group it's a clear strategy to develop these uh, these skills and uh, to become more of a software company in a way you know? mm -hmm. but compared to where we are today it's a massive massive change so we will need new talents new skills we Traditional people like me don't have the skills for it. I have ideas, but I don't have the skills to, to develop it and to create it. That's probably an area where not only our industry, but a lot of other industries will need new talents. So it's not only for women, for, for, for men as well, for everybody. This is a clear di direction for the new, uh, for the skills to acquire uh, uh, for the future, for the newcomers in the, in the job market. That's right. So one of the questions that we get quite a lot from people is, what should I study or what should I learn? You know, like I'm trying to re-skill, you know, I'm trying to find a new direction. Or maybe sometimes they feel like, oh, I'm in my mid-30s or early 30s or even 40s, 50s, maybe sometimes 20. Uh, I've just come out of university. I've studied something that hasn't really led to me finding the kind of jobs that I'm looking for. You mentioned about the fact that you're looking for some of these new skills. Um, can you be a little bit more specific on some of the new roles that you're, uh, you can see for the next, say, five years that, that your company needs to develop um, or and other comp companies need to develop? And if for young people watching this, you know, thinking about what should I study so that I can get that job? Yes, I mean, there is a lot of in different areas. And obviously, it is linked to the preferences. I can give you an example. You know, we, um, uh, one area is the development of all these digital solutions. So for this, you need a more of a technical expertise. And the studies you will choose will be much more te technical or system-oriented. But if you look in, uh, in marketing or sales and marketing area, etc., that's where you will need to understand all digital solutions existing and how do they fit because with customer experience or motivation for future customers, how do we make them fit and align to what will be the need of consumer tomorrow and what will be the digital solution we will need to satisfy them in the future and where can we create a competitive advantage. So depending on what you like to do and your skills, you can either go totally to, to the technical side of it in terms of uh, you know, big data, data management. It's always a huge, uh, huge topic and it's becoming bigger and bigger. All programs, systems we need to, to technically to create the digital solutions, but this is much more Again, a technical expertise linked to systems. But then the other area, which, which is totally linked to the business, which can be sales, marketing, business management, etc., where you need to make choices in terms of technology you want to use and for what kind of benefits with a deeper customer view. And everything needs to start with the market customer needs today and tomorrow for the future. And then you need to develop the right solution for them, looking at what competitors do as well. So you don't need to be an expert in programmatics to develop systems, but you need to understand what system can do and where they can be, when the use cases make sense in our world for customers, for what kind of benefits. So it kind of covers a lot of 
traditional areas, but with a totally different mindset, if it makes sense. Yes, because companies still need marketing, they still need sales, but we just need to think about it in terms of how we integrate new technologies into it, right? So the, the, the roles are the same, or like development of the design of the new kind of vehicles, you know, basically the core of the business is the same, but it's, it's about the way that we approach it um, using new technologies, if, if I understand correctly, right? Customers like to be uh, in relationship with the brand, Bentley as a company. Yeah? Obviously, we um, service our customers and deliver cars and sell cars through a, a distribution network. We have dealers everywhere in the world. This is the way we operate and it will continue this way. Yeah? But they still want some direct contact with us. If we don't have digital, it's simply not possible. We can have contact centers and then you, but, but still it's not exactly the same value. As they want to have a direct contact with us, so we have digital solution allowing us to be more directly in contact with our customers, even if we are not creating any substitution or replacing the relationship customers have with our dealers. But we need digital solutions for this. So how does it work with the customer journey? How do we align all marketing tools we have in order for this to happen? So you need to understand what digital can do, but you as well need to understand uh, how does it fit with the requirement of the business tomorrow. It covers a lot of areas. So you cannot just say to, uh, to young people, you have to study programmatics and data management, etc. No, digital is everywhere. So it's their preferences, but they need to understand what kind of skill set will be needed tomorrow in sales, in marketing, in finance, in, uh, in, uh, uh, in techniques uh, uh, linked to digital. And the skill set will evolve. Yeah. So um, last question. Uh, I want to ask you, Crystal. Well, actually, I'm going to ask you two questions. One of them is about diversity and women, and one of them has nothing to do with it. It's just my interest. So um, penultimate question is going to be uh, about how do you make sure as a company um, that when you put out um, a job description that it, it feels welcoming towards women as well, like especially when it's very technical, you know, because a lot of women have reported, you know, from our research, a lot of women have reported that they feel that the, the language used in job descriptions, uh, especially when it's like technical fields or, or when it's like around, let's say like a CEO level or CXO level um, jobs, you know, they feel that the job description to begin with is not very female friendly. The language that is used, they feel like it doesn't welcome them. Have you ever noticed that or? I didn't really notice this. You can say I should know to speak to a woman, but you know, by law, we have to be extremely neutral. Yeah, you cannot make any kind of discrimination. It is valid for gender, race, race, and uh, uh, all other attributes. So we cannot be discriminatory in any way or sense. So we need to be extremely neutral in our uh, job offer. No, I, ca I cannot, or in our advertising for, for, for jobs. So I don't have the perception that there will be more or the language used will be more targeted to, to men. I don't believe this, this is not the way we look at it anyway. 
I mean, if it creates this perception, maybe, but this is not intentional if it happens. But I have not seen any kind of advert in our company being prescriptive in terms of uh, in terms of gender. I will I will send you some of the research that um, I, I saw around this. I think the argument that is making is that a lot of times when what we think about as neutral really is more male. Um, you know, you, you even think about something like we say mankind, you know what I mean? Like things like that is like, you know, we have so deep in our, uh, our culture. But I, I do believe that a lot of companies may not be aware of it, how it's affecting and, and the research is showing that it does um, seem to... It depends probably on the company, you know, in terms of uh, who is making the advert. Is it an engineering department or is it HR? As far as they are concerned, HR is in charge of managing it. And we will be happy to know that within our HR function, we have uh, woman gender is largely represented. So mm. <laughs> I, I do not see an issue with it for, for us. Okay. Um, so, and uh, last question for today is from my interest, you know, as you know, I've done a lot of work around heritage brands and, and you know, luxury brands. Uh, what I want to ask you, what, uh, with everything that's happening in the world right now with the post-pandemic Era, era that we are living in and with the changes that are happening in terms of technology, where do you see the future of luxury going? Do, do you have uh, one hour? <laughs> yeah, just give me, give me a, an overview. I think it will be very interesting for people. I mean, because I'm talking to the, it's not every day that you get to talk to the CEO of Bentley America. So uh, this is a topic that's like right up your alley and I think we've got you here. So um I'm really interested to hear uh, what you think about the future of luxury. It's not what I really think. It is coming out of deep surveys we are, we are conducting as a group as well. You know? And uh, having made a lot of um, analysis out of data from uh, millennials or younger, younger people and the way they see luxury in the future, um, there are some... Uh, key differences and uh, some values as well remaining the same. So I can give you some example. When we speak about authenticity today for luxury, this is absolutely going to stay and remain. And it will be even more important tomorrow because, because of social media, because of the way we communicate and the storytelling, the power of the narrative will be even more important. So luxury will need to be substantial and authentic even more than today you know can ju not just be something decorative you need substance behind it and quite often when you speak our substance it is the way you produce or the way you create your product with craftsmanship and so on and uh, as the quality of the material you use which creates a lot of stories and the narrative and the storytelling will get even more power in the future. So that's great news to us because we are a luxury brand today. And if you are a luxury brand, it's partly because of this today. So this is a value which will remain and which will continue to create a competitive advantage to us. You know, the value of craftsmanship, authenticity. Uh, you have as well some, um, some new values emerging. And the new values emerging, we are speaking about uh, the need for experience, you know, 
So people want to enjoy product, not always buy them, but using them is enough. You don't buy your music, you're on Spotify or other, yeah, so you can, the usage become more important. Nobody has ever demonstrated to you that you are going to come back on earth for a second chance. Uh, so you want to enjoy your life today. So if before we all wanted to have, uh, you know, our home, own home and some security because it is safe and you spend a big part of your life uh, paying a mortgage, etc. but you have your home and you have your assets and this kind of um, uh, a security for you, for your life and you have something to give to your kids. In the future, again, it's different. You want to use it. Yes, you still want to support your kids, but you want to experience much more, have incredible experience and live a little bit more as well, in a proper sense. So uh, as a luxury brand, I mean, we, uh, we are totally focused on this to create extraordinary customer journey, you know, to provide incredible experiences. And it goes totally towards this direction it comes always with you know customer satisfaction but it goes much further in terms of what kind of experience you can develop for them and then you have mobility as well you know some people in the future might not want to buy a car but only use a car and and already today a lot of people are leasing cars so when you lease a car you are not owning it it's a, already a kind of uh, mobility service but this has to be uh, this has to be developed Another aspect is the rise of communities. And this is valid for uh, luxury. It is valid for any kind of position in the marketplace. Um, people want to be individual, but be part of something. And as a luxury brand, uh, 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 obviously, we have a community of customers and we have developed solutions for them to, uh, to form a community, uh, which as well, is a support of the foundations for them as well to do great things. Because relevance is more important tomorrow than it has been uh, before. Before, it's about enjoying all based on emotion. Emotion will remain forever, but it has to be relevant. You don't want uh, a, a product destroying the planet, for example, moving forward. You need to find solutions. It has to be relevant if it is not relevant young people will not be interested in it. And they will start to um, create some kind of social pressure on people uh, uh, buying products they see are not being relevant and counterproductive to the main cause we have in the world. So relevance is essential at the same time. Uh, so that's why we have to develop, you know, green solutions and we go for electrification and to maintain relevance of our luxury brand. It's valid as well in different market sectors. And our customers as well, when they speak of sustainability and relevance, like, uh, you know, supporting, supporting communities, supporting great causes. And we can, as a community of customers around Bentley, create a platform for them to uh, to, 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 to be able to, uh, to support probably differently or to channel a little bit the way they like to support communities. So overall, um, a luxury brand in the future, first of all, needs to be relevant. So you need to develop all these new technology. You need to be there to, uh, to develop your services, experiences, 
because this customer in a certain way, you need new mobility solution. And obviously you have to keep everything which has created uh, uh, yourself as a luxury brand, like your history, your heritage, your DNA, your uh, craftsmanship, authenticity, uh, what you sell is not fake. But all these new values, you know, are creating challenges and uh, leading to the new technology we were speaking about before, we need to develop, we need to have in order to maintain this relevance and to be there as a forefront to, uh, I wouldn't say manage our customer, but deliver them the, the greatest experience, uh, uh, being in contact as well with the brand, you know? So it's, it's really an ecosystem, new values, but they all fit a little bit together. But this is uh, uh, probably the formula uh, to be winning in the future as a luxury brand. And I could translate it for luxury brands who are not car makers, you know, uh, but the same, because the same value remain. I think, I think that's a, yeah, that's a good place to end it um, because it, it sort of brings together uh, the need for using technology with some of the uh, kind of traditional ways of looking at branding and, and heritage um, so yeah, it's a fascinating time that we are going into, and I think it will be so interesting to see over the next ten years, twenty years, how things will pan out. Because we are going, I feel like we are going increasingly to live in a in a uh, digital environment. So it seems like you know more and more people are going to be living mostly uh, digitally you know in short we we want to, uh, to to be the most sustainable luxury car brand but sustainability in, in a wider sense yes in terms of uh, electrification etc and we have uh, announced a clear uh, objective uh, or clear commitment that we are going to be fully electrified uh, um, in during these decades for, uh, uh, with uh, BEV, BEV vehicles um, only by vehicles in 2030. So we have made some, 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 some commitments on this, but sustainability, you know, it's about uh, relevance. It's about uh, the material you use, your pro the provenance, the eti eti they have to be ethical. Uh, it's about diversity. It's about a supporting approach. Uh, uh, it's about education. There's a, a full portfolio of topics uh, included in sustainability. It's not only, only the environment. Uh, diversity is part of it. So women's success is part of our strategy, in short. Exactly. And, uh, and I'm definitely going to be buying a Bentley. I want a Bentley and a Steinway. <laughs> the two brands that I really like. Uh, more women Bentley owners, please. <laughs> Thank you, Christoph. That was great. Very good. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Christoph George. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube, and connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, or Instagram.